You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Fight Island 7 event, which takes place on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Fight Island 7 features an 11 fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus and ABC this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a featherweight matchup featuring Jacob Kilborn, who is 8-3, and Austin Lingo, who is 7-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? First off, as always, a couple quick comments before we get started here. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in, and I hope everyone had a happy new year and happy holidays across the board. And thank you for supporting us throughout all these years. Hopefully 2021 is a much better year. I know 2020 was rough on us all, but hopefully this year is a brighter year and a better year across the board for all of you out there. So again, thanks for tuning in, and let's have a great year in 2021. So visit MMAOzbreaker.com, and we'll try to do our best for you guys out there as well. Um, that said, the opening betting odds that Brian is referring to, and I will be referring to, are coming from our MMAOzbreaker.com article from Adam Martin, opening odds for UFC on ABC1. The article is posted on the website, so those are market openers we are referring to. The updated betting odds are going to be from Circa Sports, Circa Las Vegas here in Las Vegas. If you're in town for the fights, you got to head over to Circa and watch them on the big TVs there. I mean, Circa Las Vegas is the place to go to watch sporting events. You can bet the fights there as well. You will not have a bad time. You will not be disappointed. I can guarantee you that. So head over to Circa Sports, Circa Las Vegas, if you're in town, and uh, check out the fights there. Okay, now getting right into the first fight. Lingo opened minus 265, the comeback on Kilburn, plus 225. And over at Circus Sports, currently it's Lingo minus 210, the comeback on Kilburn at plus 180. So market-wide, a little bit of dog action coming in on Kilburn. I can understand it. I think Kilburn's in that one of those spots that he's being a tad bit underrated, underappreciated in that spot here. Lingo, with a little bit more hype, entering his UFC debut. Wasn't a successful one. Zalal was able to kind of derail a lot of that hype that Lingo had. But I still think the respect factor is there amongst the diehards. And stylistically, this could be a very good fight for Lingo, but make no mistake, again, the action early on coming in on Kilborn. Kilborn does look to take the fight to the ground. He has a grinding kind of grueling style when he looks for those takedowns, has good ground and pound, good grappling, good uh, submission game once he gets you on the ground as well. And then he has a sneaky left hook on the feet, which can cause a lot of damage and has been spot on in so many fights that's worked for him as well. So you cannot count this guy out in any aspect of the fight. So he's dangerous on the feet, and of course he has got a pretty solid ground game. But that said, Lingo, overall, I think his game, anywhere the fight takes place, I know he had problems with Zalal, but I just don't think Kilburn is in that regard as far as total overall skill set. He won't give Lingo those kind of problems. But again, I think Lingo has to respect this fight and it will be a competitive back and forth type of fight. But I do slightly lean towards Lingo. I personally would stay away from it. I wouldn't lay the chalk though. I think, I mean, with the firepower, these guys are going to be throwing at each other back and forth. It's just a little bit too high at this point still to lay the chalk on Lingo. But I do think he probably gets it done. So my pick is Lingo to get the W here. Yeah, I like Lingo as well. I just am not a huge fan of Kilburn. Basically, he struggled on Contender Series. He struggled uh, against Billy Corantillo. Again, you know, the opponents he faced were still pretty good. Um, but Lingo's a guy, I think, who is just much more dangerous. He's He's kind of proven that he can just obliterate people. Now, that didn't quite work out against uh, Yusef Zalal, but I think... Zalal is a really, really talented fighter, so I'm not going to hold it against Lingo for coming up short there. Um, I think this is uh, a fight where both guys are capable of slugging it out, but Lingo is the more powerful fighter. I think, uh, I think, uh, Lingo is just going to be a little bit more dangerous. They're going to be standing toe to toe. Um, I don't think this fight goes to the ground very often. And 
in a pure stand-up fight, I really do think that Lingo just hits too hard. So I'm going to go Lingo. I think uh, he puts Kilborn away probably even in the first round if this does stay standing. Now, dropping down to the women's bantamweight division, we have Sarah Morris, who is six and six, taking on Vanessa Mello, who is ten and eight. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Morris opened minus 190, the comeback of Mello plus 165. The line skyrocketed up to almost around 300-ish, but now we're seeing some action come back down on Mello as well, and the line's getting it back to normal, or where it should be, I should say, or even uh, still a tad high. Right now, Morris minus 215 at Circa Sports, a comeback plus 185 on Mello. I'm saying it's still a little high because, really, I understand. I mean, Morris definitely has the ground game that a lot of uh, female competitors have have to definitely be concerned about. I mean, when she gets the fight to the ground, if she's able to, she could do a lot of damage with her ground pound, with her submission game, of course. So in most cases, she has a significant edge on the ground. In this case against Melo, I think she will as well. I mean, Melo, BJJ Brown belt, if I'm not mistaken, she's no fish out of water, so to speak, on the ground either. But uh, Morris has the significant edge on the ground. On the feet, though, it gets relatively close. And I think Melo's actually the tougher, uh, more durable, more solid fighter that's going to be kind of sitting in the pocket, willing to exchange, land the harder punches. Morris is going to be a little bit faster, and her striking is developing to the point where she's going to be exchanging pretty well, I think, against Melo, because Melo is that type of fighter that kind of fights, I think, to the level for competition. She's faced a lot of solid competition thus far, and the strikers that she's faced that have been better than her, she's actually hung in there, and, and I think at least was respectable. So I think she's going to probably be pretty competitive here with Morris, even on the feet, but I think she does have a slight edge there, and she needs to keep this fight upright if she's going to win it. So I'm thinking this fight's going to be extremely close, and if Morris wants to win this fight decisively, she wants to get it to the floor. I think it's, she's going to struggle doing so, so Melo might actually be a live dog at this price but if this was a coin flip type of fight of course I would have to side with Morris because I think again it will be pretty competitive on the feet and then she does have the advantage on the ground so a slight edge towards Morris as far as a pure pick but as far as a betting window goes you cannot lay the chalk here I mean this is going to be a split decision type of fight if it's a scorecard so I think it's a dog or pass situation but my pick still has to be a, a little bit more towards Morris here and I'm going to go Morris as well. Now, neither of these ladies have had a lot of success in the UFC. I think Morris is one in four in her last five fights and Melo's gone 0 and three. Um, neither is exceptionally talented. Uh, I would say Morris definitely is the better ground fighter where Melo is the better striker. The problem with Melo though is she has some decent stand up, but she just does not push, uh, the pace on the feet and she actually uh, allows her opponents to dictate things. And that's just does not work out well for her. Um, Morris, on the other hand, even though she does have a strong ground game, like if she gets top position, she can finish you with a submission. I mean, even on the ground off her back, she could finish you with an arm bar or a triangle choke. Uh, and then top position, she also has a decent ground and pound, but she doesn't have very good wrestling. She's really not that great of an athlete. So uh can Morris get it to the ground? And if, she can't, can Mello, uh, you know, really have a sense of urgency on the feet? Like neither really is able to utilize their strength that effectively in fights. And that's why, you know, they've struggled and this is probably a loser leaves town uh, type of fight. The difference though is, uh, even though Morris isn't a very good striker, she at least pushes the pace. She might be able to outpoint Mello on the feet because Mello just is almost lackadaisical um, on the feet. So I'm going to say the stand-up could be close uh, because of, you know, Mello's lack of striking output and the ground should be a huge edge for Morris if she can get it there. So I'm going to go Morris. I think uh, she does pull this one out, uh, whether it's by decision, submission, maybe even TKO from top position. So my pick will be Morris. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have David Zawada, who is 17 and 5, taking on Ramazan Emiv, who is 19 and 4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Amiv opened minus 210, the comeback on Zawada, plus 180. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Amiv minus 260, excuse me, minus 260, the comeback on Zavada at plus 220. So a little bit more action coming in Amiv's way. 
I understand this as well. I mean, Zavada is one of these guys that hasn't had a ton of respect thus far in the UFC. He's faced a lot of solid competition, though, and had some good fights. I mean, I understand, again, he had two losses there to Danny Roberts, which was honestly, if you go back and look at that fight, that was such a fun fight to watch. It was back and forth, and he easily could have kind of got the nod there if there were different judges in those seats. So it was that kind of coin flip type of fight. I mean, and his win over Nurmagomedov in, in his last fight was pretty impressive as well because, I mean, that triangle choke was so smooth and so quick that he got. So I think we've seen some glimpses of Zavada's game that's been pretty impressive. I mean, this guy is definitely capable on the feet, and he's got slick submissions on the ground as well. He pushes a high pace, has fought high-caliber competition, even though he was outside of the UFC as, as well. So this guy is ready, and he's ready to compete amongst, you know, some of the better fighters at 170 pounds for sure. So I think this is going to be one of those fights that, it's going to be, uh, I think, a game changer for him if he could compete well and do better than most people think, even if he loses against Amiv. If he could hang in there and get another kind of close decision or split decision type of loss here, I think if he performs well, it'll still kind of raise his stock, so to speak, because I think a lot of people are expecting Amiv to kind of come in here and dictate the pace of this fight, take Zavada down, control him a little bit, avoid the submission, and get it done here. And I think that's probably what happens. On the feed, I think Amiv probably outpoints him as well and lands maybe some harder punches along the way, but Zavada definitely is capable of doing some good things and damage on the feed as well. So I think overall, though, what is going to be the difference of this fight is the control from Amiv up against the cage and utilizing those takedowns and kind of playing it safe and avoiding the submissions and, and getting that close edging out type of decision. So this is probably going to be a fairly competitive fight in another spot where I don't think you can comfortably bet the favor here and lay the chalk right now at around minus 260 because I think if it hits the scorecards, I mean, and the state of the MMA judging that we always see time and time again, you can't be that comfortable laying 260 in a, a pretty competitive fight or more competitive than I think most people are expecting at least. So my pick is a Meave, but I think it's going to be a very, very competitive fight. I think it'll be competitive when it's standing. Uh, Zawada is a talented striker. He's been in, uh, really exciting slugfest against Danny Roberts. Um, and, you know, he had a fun fight against Li Jinglong where he actually landed more strikes than, uh, Jinglong did, uh, even though he came up short. Um, Emiv, on the other hand, you know, this is a guy that while he is a capable striker, um, he doesn't have a huge output and his biggest strength is his wrestling. If he can drag this fight to the floor, I think he should have a really good chance of pulling it out. It's really going to boil down to can Zawada keep this upright and try to utilize some of that decent striking technique and power that he has. And if it is standing, will he be able to really uh, land some good shots against Amiv? Because, you know, even though Amiv doesn't have a, a great tempo on the feet, he's a pretty good striker as well. He just would rather take it to the floor. I mean, why, why not? Why screw around? Um, and if Amiv does get it to the floor, is he going to leave an opening for Zawada to pull off a potential, another submission like he did against, uh, Abu Bakar uh, Nurmagomedov in his last fight. So, uh, I think this is a really interesting fight, but, uh, I have to favor Amiv here. I mean, the stand-up Zawada should have the edge, but the fact that Amiv should be able to take this to the floor when he wants to is just too overwhelming to, to ignore. So uh, I'm going to go with Amiv as long as he doesn't do something silly, like leave his neck exposed on a takedown attempt or, you know, go headfirst into a flying knee or something. Uh, he should be dragging this to the floor and grinding this out to a decision. So uh, I think uh, Amiv is going to be my pick here. Now, moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Justin Taffa, who is four and one, taking on Carlos Felipe, who is nine and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Philippe opened minus 115, the comeback on Tafa at minus 105. And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Philippe minus 195, the comeback on Tafa at plus 170. So more action coming in Philippe's way. I can understand it, man. I mean, I've been impressed with Philippe. He's definitely come in under the radar in the UFC and performed better than I expected in both of his fights, even in his loss. So I think this guy is showing some real skill. I mean, toughness. I think I like his durability. And the way he's not afraid to get in your face, he's got that power to go along with it, and he's constantly getting better. I mean, you could really see it. If you look back at his pre-fight film before he got into UFC in, in comparison to what he's shown us thus far in these last couple of fights, man, Felipe's legit, and, and he's a tough out for sure. Tough, on the other hand, 
he's a work in progress, so to speak. I mean, his skill offensively as a striker is there. I mean, he's got K1 level kickboxing for sure. He's got the power in the feed. I mean, he's a sniper. He could definitely do some damage and get people out of there. So if Philippe is going to take Tafa lightly on the feet, that might be a big mistake because Tafa definitely has the power and the ability to knock any heavyweight out. I mean, that's how good offensively this guy can be. My hesitation here for Tafa is definitely his durability. I mean, from what I've seen with Philippe, that's what's kind of giving me the slight edge towards him. I think, again, if this is going to be kind of a, a striker battle back and forth, they go, even though Tafa might be the more diverse and the better technical overall striker, I think Felipe is actually the more durable striker. And if they're going to exchange, I trust his chin a little bit more in this this spot here. The ground is going to be interesting because, again, I, I think we've seen some okay defensive moments. I mean, both these guys are definitely de- developing their ground games, um, and they need a lot of work still in those areas. But Felipe has showed us some okay defense at times. Uh, Tafa has showed us some okay offense at times as well. Um, so it's, it's definitely going to be intriguing, and it's going to kind of be like a – I think an aspect of the fight that a lot of us are not sure exactly how it's going to play out, if that's fair to say. So we'll see how that goes. But on the feet, no, make no mistake, it is going to be fireworks and somebody's probably getting knocked out. I just think it's going to be Felipe standing when it's all said and done. So I'm going to go his way, but it should be fireworks. And it's tough now, I mean, with all the power coming in both ways to lay minus 200-ish on one side of this fight. So be cautious out there if you are betting this one. But my pick is going to be Felipe. And I'm going to go the other way, actually. Uh, I think Justin Taffa is criminally underrated. I mean, this guy, even though he's not a very big um, heavyweight, he is really skilled. I mean, on the feet, he has some excellent striking technique, a lot of power. Um, I think in a pure stand-up fight, he should be able to be outpoint Felipe over the course of uh, three rounds. I mean, I really think that he can uh, exploit some of Felipe's holes in his striking game. Now, Felipe does have some power and, uh, and, and this almost seems like it shouldn't work because Felipe earned a decision against Jorgen De Castro while De Castro won by knockout against Felipe, you know, so why would, uh, or while well, De Castro won by knockout against Tafa. So why would I think Tafa can outstrike uh, Felipe, it's because I think Tafa is the better striker than De Castro as well. I think, uh, Tafa was winning that fight. He just, he got caught. It happens. So the only thing that I'm really nervous about in this fight is that Tafa isn't, doesn't seem like he's the most durable guy. Now he's got a lot of power and good technique, but Felipe does have power too. So if he clips Tafa, he could absolutely finish him. If he lands something decent, he could put Tafa away. But, I think Tafa has just as much power, if not more, and he's got better technique. And uh, I'm really not that concerned about uh, Felipe's ground game. Uh, Tafa might even be able to score uh, some takedowns. That's what he did uh, before he was in the UFC. So uh, I like Tafa here. I think that he actually is going to be able to uh, pull this one out. I think uh, he has the technique and the overall ability on the feet, uh, mixing it up with uh, punches and kicks. Uh, at the heavyweight division that uh, could make uh, a a difficult uh, fight for Felipe. So I'm going to go Tafa. I think he either wins by decision or maybe even knocks Felipe out along the way. I'm just a little nervous about that durability. Now, dropping down to the flyweight division, we have a women's bout featuring Yanin Wu, who is 11-3, and and Jocelyn Edwards, who is 9-2. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Wu opened minus 240. The comeback on Edwards, plus 205. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Wu minus 115. The comeback on Edwards at minus 105. So from minus 240 all the way down to a pick em. And, of course, I mean, Wu did open too high. If you look at it, this is going to be a very competitive fight. Edwards not getting a lot of respect. And, uh, I mean, she's just kind of the unknown fighter here where Wu has definitely been kind of, you know, not, I don't want to say in the spotlight, but she's been definitely in the mix, obviously. And the UFC fans know who she is. They know what she brings to the table, especially at 125 pounds. You know, she's a good fit, meaning that she's definitely capable of hanging in there and putting out some good performances. But I don't think she's at the elite level or the top level of the weight class or as on the roster period as a female fighter. I mean, I think she struggles 
to the point where she should be uh, probably a little bit better than we're expecting. I don't think she's one of these fighters that's actually improving at a rapid pace or as much as I'd like to see from her. So I think here she is ahead of Edwards as we speak, but I think the gaps and the improvements that we're seeing from Edwards on the other side of it is actually more impressive to me. I mean, Edwards, again, if you're going to compare like uh, their training backgrounds or whatnot, I think – you know, obviously Edwards is not getting the same type of high level training that uh, Wu is or has gotten. Now it's the gap is again kind of closing and, and everything's kind of coming together for her. And she is getting um, better training. She's getting more experience. So all that stuff is kind of coming around and she's becoming a better fighter. She's going to have some length. She's got that kind of killer instinct. I mean, she's the hungrier fighter here in this spot too, where we've seen Wu kind of struggle lately. So this is a great spot for Edwards to come in here, keep it kind of competitive type of fight go back and forth because i think she can give Wu a lot of problems on the feet or on the ground really because i mean i see that kind of tenacity and that nastiness in her game and Wu's going to bring it right back so this is a kind of a coin flip fight so i think a pick up type of fight is actually very accurate i could see it definitely being a split decision if it hits the scorecards and go either way i'm actually going to lean with edward she's taking this fight on short notice but i think she's going to do enough and i think it's kind of going to be her hunger and her overall desire to win this fight that gets it done for her, if that makes sense, you know? So I just, I like what I see from her and I think the timing is right for her to come in here against an opponent like Wu and get it done. So I'm going to pick Edwards in what should be a coin flip type of fight. And it should be a pretty fun one though. So uh, that's the way I think it plays out. Yeah, this one's interesting. I mean, it felt like um, Yan and Wu was being given a easier fight. Uh, against Betch Kohei, but now, uh, taking on, uh, Jocelyn Edwards, you know, she was preparing for somebody that had fought for a UFC title and now she's taking on somebody that the best thing she ever did in her career was fight for an LFA title. So it's definitely a step down and hopefully she doesn't treat it that way. But, uh, you know, Juan and you, I think she's got some talent. I mean, even though, uh, her UFC win was a submission it's her stand-up that is her strength i mean she's a slugger on the feet uh you know kind of a bruiser almost um so this should be an exciting fight i think uh woo uh is aggressive on the feet she has a little bit of pop um edwards is talented and uh has some good power as well i mean we saw that uh she returned from a long layoff and then just this back past July was able to pick up a, a 28 second knockout. So she's clearly a talented striker and has some pop in her hands as well. Um, but uh, I just think that uh, Edwards, when she did get that opportunity against uh, Sarah Alpar at LFA, you know, she wasn't able to get it done. She ended up losing a split decision um, and she really doesn't have that big quality win and this is her UFC debut. So I have to go with Wu here. She's a little bit more proven. She's been in there against tougher opposition. She's already fought in the UFC. And I think this is a, a winnable fight for her. And, and she's had a full training camp. So I'm going to go with Wu. I think that she gets the job done. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Nasardine Imovov, who is nine and two taking on Phil Hawes, who is also 9-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Haas open minus 181, the comeback on Imovov at plus 159. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Haas minus 135, the comeback on Imovov at plus 115. So another spot where the dog did get some early action. I think that's right as well. I know Haas has looked like a beast, man. I mean, his recent knockout was just a thing of beauty. I mean, how, how quickly and over a pretty kind of hyped or rumored hyped prospect in Malcoon. I mean, that, that was vicious. The speed, the power, the tenacity, the confidence, everything that you see in Haas. I mean, this is kind of what we expected when he was making his ultimate fighter, um, or Dana White contender series, uh, all those pre UFC debuts that, that were honestly, you know, disappointments for him. This is the type of fighter that we kind of expected and the potential was there. And now he's kind of living up to it because he's on a heck of a streak. I believe um, it's, it's four or five fights that he's just kind of rolled through his opponents. And again, the most impressive being his last fight for sure. So hats off to Haas. I think he's definitely arrived and his confidence is at all time high. He's got that wrestling background to go along with it. So, I mean, he's got all the ingredients to make a title run, but on the other side of it here, 
Imovov is going to definitely present some problems. I think he's a little bit more steady. He's, I think, probably a little bit more patient and methodical along the way. I think he's a little bit more technical as well. He does look for the takedowns, and he does look for wrestling, and he does utilize a lot of pure MMA skill set. But in this particular spot here against Haas, is he going to have the wrestling advantage? I doubt it. So this is more than likely going to be a back-and-forth type of, of striking battle. And if anybody's going to have any type of success on the ground, it's going to have to be when their opponent starts slowing down a little bit as well. So obviously with Haas having more of the wrestling advantage, it's going to be interesting. But I think Imovov can kind of weather that early storm and make things interesting and start pulling away um, in round two and round three possibly if he doesn't get Haas out of there or if he's still there himself, because I think this definitely has the capability of ending early with the power that these guys have back and forth. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if I see Haas knocking him out in round one, but um, I would be a little bit surprised, though, I guess, because I think Imovov is, is definitely better than that. So I think he weathers that early storm. He makes it a very competitive fight and then probably steals round two and round three, uh, possibly finishing Haas. So I will go with the dog. I think the early dog money was probably right. Um, I think it is an extremely close fight. Wouldn't be shocked to see it go either way, but I think you have to trust the dog money here, and I think that you have to actually believe in Imovov, and I think he is the better fighter at this point. So despite Haas looking good, and I think his future is definitely bright, I just don't think he's ready for Imovov yet. I think Imovov is the better fighter at this moment. It's probably going to show. So my pick is Imovov. Both of these guys are extremely talented. Um, both of them have excellent striking. Both of them have good power. Um and both are capable of taking the fight to the floor. It just boils down to uh, who is able to land those uh, better shots. Now, I think in terms of pure striking technique, uh, Imovov is probably a, a step ahead of Phil Hawes. But Hawes makes up for that with just brutal, devastating power. Um, and Imovov, if you watched his fight against Jordan Williams, um, you know, it was a dominant striking performance where he mixed in uh, the clinch and, and some takedown attempts. Um, I don't think that's going to work nearly as well against Phil Hawes. Uh, Hawes is the better wrestler of the two. Now, Hawes uses his wrestling in reverse typically and just tries to light people up on the feet, but uh, he might even try to, to use his wrestling here if for some reason the stand-up isn't working. Uh, I think this is a really, really exciting fight, um, but... Uh, I have to go with Hawes. I think he's got uh, the better athleticism. I think he's going to be quicker. He's got more power. So if they're trading blow for blow, I think it's Hawes that is the one that lands that big shot that hurts his opponent. So this should be a really exciting back and forth type of scrap. But uh, I think that Imovov does have some defensive lapses that Hawes might be able to expose. And I think he lands that big counter shot that just completely crumples him. So I'm going to go with uh, Hawes. I think that he actually takes Imovov out. So Hawes is going to be my pick. Now, moving on to the main card in and sticking with the middleweight division, we have... Uh, Punahele Soriano, who is 7-0, and taking on Dusko Todorovic, who is 10-0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Todorovic, minus 150, the comeback on Soriano, plus 130. And right now, we're seeing Todorovic, minus 170, and Soriano, plus 150. So a little bit more action coming on Todorovic. It's been two-way, though, back and forth overall. I mean, both these guys, as Brian said, just stud prospects, undefeated. I mean, a lot of high expectations in the motorway division. I like what I see from both fighters. So I understand why a lot of people might be tempted on Soriano here. Um, and again, Todorovic, with all the hype and the respect and a lot of, you know, what fans kind of think he can be in the middleweight division, this line's kind of low as well. So that tells you something, meaning that I think a lot of people will believe that Todorovic's lines from here on out, possibly, especially if he gets a W over Soriano, they're probably going to be, Hard to bet if he continues his rise, so to speak. So both these guys. But if Soriano comes in here and picks off Todorovic, obviously he's going to probably steal a lot of that thunder. And again, they're not that he's underhyped at all because there's a lot of hype coming into his Dana Wake Contender Series debut as well. And man, this guy has some explosive power in the feet. He utilizes good wrestling. He's always improving as well. So this is going to be a very fun scrap. I just think Todorovic is probably a little bit further ahead. I like his movement, his footwork. I think he's better on the feet. I think he can slow this fight up and fight smart when he wants to push you know, his opponent up 
up against the cage. Both these guys, again, do look for takedowns. I think overall, though, Soriano might be the better wrestler. I just don't think he's going to have a lot of success taking Todorovic down and control him in that aspect, though. So I think what we're going to see here is kind of a back-and-forth type of battle. Both these guys are going to have their moments, but I think Todorovic is actually the better fighter um, right now overall, and it's going to show enough for him to either possibly get a late stoppage or maybe, you know, obviously win two out of three rounds on the scorecards. I think it's going to be a 29-28 type of uh, decision win for Chodorovic if it does hit the scorecards. Or if not, like I said, I mean, a lot of firepower back and forth, but I think he's got a shot at a finish here as well. So Chodorovic should be the side. Uh, but again, a good opportunity for Soriano to come in here and just steal all that thunder and get a huge win and stand defeated as well. So this is going to be a very good fight, a w- very well-matched fight. I mean, you got to love the matchmaking here for sure because, I mean, they're uh, not a afraid to kind of throw two top contenders or two, I shouldn't say top contenders, two top prospects, excuse me, that's definitely a correction needed there, um, you know, into the fire right away against each other and see who's going to live through it, so to speak. So I like the fight. I love the matchmaking. It should be fireworks, but I'm going to pick Dorovich to get the W here. And I'm going to go the other way. I mean, both of these guys are exceptionally talented. Uh, both are on the rise. Both actually had quality wins before they made it to the UFC with, uh, Todorovic beating, uh, you know, top UFC welterweight right now, uh, Mikel Pereira. He actually finished him, uh, back in, uh, Serbian battle championships in, uh, 2018. Um, and, uh, Soriano, uh, on his contender series fight, he beat, uh, Jamie Pickett, who ended up making his way to the UFC. So, uh, both guys are quality, quality, undefeated fighters and then both looked really good in their UFC debuts as well. Now, granted, uh, neither fighter faced top contenders. Um, Soriano was able to just demolish, uh, Piahota, who, you know, just did not end his UFC run well. And Todorovic was kind of fed, uh, you know, uh, Daquan Townsend. So again, didn't exactly face the best of the best in their UFC debuts, but now, you know, huge step up in competition against each other. Um, I think on the feet, they're pretty evenly matched. I would slightly favor Todorovic, but, uh, do not sleep on Soriano. I mean, this guy has nasty power. So, uh, even if Todorovic is outpointing Soriano, Soriano kind of has that, uh, ability to neutralize that, uh, with one good shot. And then, uh, I think really where this fight is going to be uh, decided isn't going to be an open space. I think it's going to be decided with uh, what happens when they kind of clash and get a hold of each other. Now, if it stays in the clinch, I'd favor Todorovic because uh, he's able to manipulate his opponent in the clinch better. He has some clinch takedowns. Um, so if he can get this fight to the clinch when they're not in open space, uh, I think the fight is going to go to him. But Soriano being the better wrestler, I think he could, if they're in open space, he could shoot in for a double leg, maybe a single leg, and drag this to the floor. And he's going to be a little bit more dangerous. I think uh, Soriano does have a slightly better ground game than Todorovic. Uh, he has a, a few submissions to his name. Um, and I just don't quite think that uh, Todorovic is going to be able to to hold his own with Soriano's grappling. So this should be a really, really evenly matched fight, but I'm actually going to go with Soriano. I think the wrestling combined with that pure power are going to be the the two biggest factors here. Although if Todorovic is able to keep this in open space and outpoint Soriano or uh, drag this to the clinch and control it, um, then Todorovic absolutely can win this as well. This is a very, very interesting scrap, but I'm going to go with Soriano's way. Now, again, sticking with the middleweight division, we have uh, Joaquin Buckley, who is 12 and 3, taking on Alessio DeShirico, who is 12 and 5. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Buckley open minus 275, DeShirico plus 235. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Buckley minus 260 to come back into DeShirico plus 220. Has been a lot of two way action coming in this fight. Very popular fight at the betting window for sure. Man, I'll tell you what, that knockout win for Buckley, still that highlight reel jump spinning back kick that he landed was phenomenal. And I think it's still going to carry him a long way as far as his betting line goes as well, possibly being a little bit overinflated. And I think that's 
accurately said here, sort of speak. Not that this is a terrible matchup for him, because I think this is a fight he can win, and he should be the rightful favorite here over DeSherico. But I do believe DeSherico is probably one of the toughest opponents he's faced, and I don't think the line should be a minus 260, to be honest with you. But as far as skill set, I mean, striking versus striking here, Buckley is the more diverse, the, the faster striker, the more unorthodox, but in a technical way. I mean, like I said, look at that jump spinning back kick that he landed in that position in that spot. I mean, that's the kind of unorthodox but effective techniques he's able or capable of throwing. And DeSherico, I mean, he's tough as nails, hard to get out of there, but he's the way his kind of body is positioned when he is striking, it opens up for somebody like Buckley to land some of his crazy strikes as well. So I think that DeCherico is kind of a good opponent for Buckley to kind of land on a little bit more often, often if that makes sense. But that being said, DeCherico is a tough guy. He's not going to wilt under that pressure or um, I think fold under any kick or punch unless it's, you know, a, going to be a game changer type of sort of speak, meaning that he can definitely take a, we've seen it time and time, he can absorb that punishment and then just keep on going. So I think DeSherico is going to be trading with him, exchanging with him well enough that he's going to do some damage on the other end of it, even if he isn't the better striker, sort of say, in this aspect of things. I think his hands are good enough where he could do some damage, and I trust I think overall, DeCherico is probably a little bit more durable. I think if he does start exchanging with Buckley and he can hang in there and kind of weather that storm and land in the pocket, he has an ability to knock Buckley out. Or if he can get some takedowns here, I think DeCherico's ground game is far above Buckley's at this point in time as well. So this is definitely a closer fight than the odds indicate. Um, I do like both these guys. I think, I mean, again, sky's kind of the limit for these guys in this spot, in this weight class, because I think a big win here at 185 propels the winner but you know to kind of get towards that upper tier upper tier and get ranked in in a high spot and and, uh and potentially get and kind of in the title mix and not too long so i mean this is a big fight for these guys especially for buckley if he could get on track and roll off roll off about two or three more wins um in highlight real fashion i mean he will be legit thought of that way as crazy as it sounds so important fight for both men i think it's a fight that these guys are both capable of winning i just think that it's going to be Buckley, you have to pick. If you're going to flip a coin, I mean, there's no question you got to lean towards Buckley, but this is another spot where I'm going to say the line is overinflated and it's a dog or pass situation. So my pick is Buckley, but if you're going to look for betting value, I think it's DeCherico or pass, in my opinion. Now, I do think this fight is interesting, but I think the stakes are really only there for the one fighter. Now, Buckley, he has all the momentum in the world. I mean, two-fight winning streak in the UFC, both devastating, impressive knockouts. Um, DeShirico, on the other hand, you know, I don't think a win here will get him into the rankings or anything. I mean, he's lost three in a row. Now, granted, they were against top opponents, uh, Kevin Holland, uh, you know, Zach Cummings lost most recently, uh, this past August. But, uh, with Buckley, you know, this guy really put himself on the map with that knockout of the year against, uh, Kasim Ganey. Uh, you know, cause Cassangini was legit and he still is legit. I mean, that's a guy that was his first loss. Uh, and then he goes and faces another undefeated fighter and steamrolls him as well. Uh, so, uh, Buckley legitimately elite talented striker. This guy really can throw. Uh, and if DeShirico is stuck trading with this guy, he's in big, big trouble. Um, you know, DeShirico is a good, well-rounded fighter. But he's kind of that jack of all trades, master of none. He's, he, he can mix it up, but, uh, on the feet, he is going to be outgunned here. Uh, I think Buckley would steamroll him in a pure stand-up fight. So if DeShirico wants to win, he needs to make it ugly. He needs to get into the clinch. He needs to shoot for takedowns. He really needs to take Buckley out of his striking element. Uh, because going toe-to-toe with Buckley, I think is a bad, bad idea. Um, but DeShirico does have a little bit of wrestling. You know, he, he does, uh, shoot for takedowns occasionally. He can get top position. Um, now he's not exactly a big submission threat or anything. Uh, I think he only has one, uh, submission on his record and that was way back in 2013. So I'm not expecting that, but if he can take, uh, Buckley out of open space, absolutely do it. Uh, but more often than not, I think Buckley does uh keeps his open space and just starts going to work. I think uh Buckley's gonna be dangerous with his hands, with his feet. Uh, you know, this guy is an exceptional talent and he's really starting to come into his own. And while 
I do think that the hype might be a little bit too much on Buckley. Uh, this is not the opponent that's going to derail the hype. Uh, that will be probably when he starts facing some ranked opponents again, because uh, we did see Buckley uh, come up short against Kevin Holland, who I think is a really legitimate middleweight. Um, maybe when he faces somebody at that level again, we'll reconsider. But I think this is a very winnable fight for Buckley, so I'm going to pick him to win. I think he actually uh, finishes to Shiriko. Now, dropping down to the welterweight division, we have Santiago Pondanibio, who is 27 and 3, taking on Jingling Li, who is 17 and 6. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Ponzinibbio minus 275, Lee plus 235. That was the opening line. And what we're seeing at Circus Sports at the moment is Ponzinibbio minus 305, the comeback on Lee at plus 255. So another spot where line on the rise a little bit. I think Lee, it's amazing how a bad loss can just derail your hype train, so to speak. Not that Lee was a bunch of hype because, man, guy, a very, very solid fighter. Make no mistake about it. I mean, I think that he was on the rise and it, it just a lot of people expected too much too soon from him, so to speak. And and again, I think some of his wins were a little bit probably overinflated or a little bit overblown and, and they got him to that Magni fight. And then everything again kind of got derailed because a lot of jaws dropped by the dominance from Magni that fight. So with that said, now we're seeing a huge, huge discrepancy as far as the betting window goes. And, and he's being underrated severely here in a way, meaning that I think that a lot of people aren't hesitating to bet against him because that loss was so bad. And then Ponzinibbio was able to get Magni out of there in his last fight, but that has been a while. And we have seen Ponzinibbio being out for a while. We're not sure what kind of health and what kind of form he's going to bounce back at in this point. So I do think the line at, at, at this point is probably a little high because of the unknown certainties of Ponzinibbio and if he's going to be able to perform at the same level he did before his time off. Um, but that said, Ponzinibbio is clearly, in my opinion, the better fighter. He's the better striker here. I mean, he's going to be able to keep this fight upright. He's got great takedown defense. Um, Lee has a shot. I mean, he's got a puncher's chance to win this fight, but that's probably about it. So unless Ponzinibbio has really, I mean, just dropped down a whole level, it just it is hard for me to see him losing this fight. So I know I said all that stuff about the you know, maybe being underrated for Lee or whatnot. Um, I mean, you could take that magnified out of the equation completely. I just think the way these guys match up, I mean, Lee's going to have a lot of trouble with Ponzinibbio here, period. So Ponzinibbio is the better fighter, but I do hesitate to lay 300 in this spot because of the time off and because of the uncertainty, like I said, about kind of how he is physically right now. So I'm going to pick Ponzinibbio. There's no question about it, but I think the smarter move is probably to sit back and just avoid this fight altogether and kind of watch how it plays out and see if Ponzinibbio is up to form or, you know, kind of back to form where he was before the time off. Like I said, uh, I think if he's there, then we're going to see some exciting fights from him uh, moving forward as well. And then we're going to have our conference level betting him will be higher again, uh, put it that way. So I want to see this fight, though, play out at least two solid rounds into the third round, maybe even hit the scorecards, because then we'll know for sure. So hopefully we see a great fight, maybe hitting the cards. If not, hopefully a late finish, so we get to see this play out some and, and see what we got. But that said, I am going to pick Ponzaniba to win. But if you are betting this fight, just be careful out there. I mean, legitimately, the only thing that is giving me any pause for concern here is... uh that Pontanibio has been out for over two years. If it hadn't been for that, I think this would be the easiest lock-in pick of the night. I mean, this guy's on a seven-fight win streak. He has some serious quality, quality wins. I mean, I don't think he's even ranked right now because he's been out for so long. But um, I, at his peak, right after the the Magni win, I had it. Ponzinibbio ranked in my UFC rankings top five. I mean, this guy is legit. I mean, look at who he beat. Uh, he beat Sean Strickland. He beat Court McGee. He beat Zach Cummings. He beat Nordin Taleb. He beat Gunnar Nelson. He beat Mike Perry. And then most recently, he finished Neil Magny in a main event. So, uh, granted, two years ago, and but... You know, looking at what Neil Magny's been doing lately, including most recently smoking Li Jinglong, uh, this is a, a great, 
great opportunity here for Ponzinibbio to establish himself again. Uh, he is a legitimately elite striker with great kicks, great uh, all-around striking ability, good hands, great pace, extremely, extremely dangerous on the feet. Uh, now, uh, Lee does have some pop on the feet, and if he connects with something nasty, he could hurt Ponzinibbio. Uh, and Lee does have some wrestling. Um, you know, he was known as the leech when he debuted and that is still his nickname, but, uh, he hasn't used that wrestling nearly as much lately. He's kind of focused on uh, the power that's developed and, and the technique on the feet that he, that has improved. Uh, but, uh, perhaps wrestling could be his saving grace here. Ponzinibbio was out grappled very early in his UFC career. Granted, I think first fight that he had in the UFC against Ryan LaFleur. Since then, he's done a much better job of fending off takedowns, including, again, most recently, the the Magni win. So uh, I think there's really not a lot of options here for Lee. I mean, he's just outgunned in almost every aspect of this fight, except maybe pure punching power. The, so the only thing I'm concerned about is that Ponzinibbio shows up rusty, um that maybe the injuries or age have taken a toll. I mean, he's, he's 34 now. That's not ancient, but it's not, you know, the physical prime. So if he's lost a step or he's rusty, uh, Lee could take advantage. But if he's fighting at that same level that he was at, or if he's even close to that same level, this is a monster blowout, complete domination. So I'm going to go Ponzinibbio. I think, uh, the leg kicks are going to be a factor. I think the hands are going to be a factor. I, I think the pace is going to be a factor. He should be able to just outperform Lee in every aspect. So Ponzinibbio is going to be my pick. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division, we have Carlos Condit, who is 31 and 13, taking on Matt Brown, who is 22 and 17. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Condit minus 110, Brown minus 10. That was the opening line. So pick him exactly minus 110 each way. And I think that's kind of fair in a way. I mean, looking at it right away, both these guys are definitely past their prime. So you could think it's a kind of a head scratcher type of fight. Which way are you going to go? I mean, if these guys fought in their prime, what a battle would be for sure. But it's not in their prime. Both these guys are, you know, unfortunately their best days are behind them. But that being said, there's still left left in the tank for these guys to be here in this spot in the co-main event and they deserve to be here no doubt and i will always watch content i will always watch brown fight these guys deserve to you know have eyeballs on them regardless because they still can bring in they still put on exciting performances and that said i think the way they match up here is very intriguing very interesting as well i think what we've seen recently i mean brown definitely has power in his hands left he's he's looking to take the fight to the ground a little bit more utilize his wrestling and offensive grappling ground a pound and just any way he could finish the fight he could do it i mean brown is that type of fighter that killer instinct has always been there and, and he's just a, a devastating finisher man so i love watching him fight condit i think on the other hand i mean he's had obviously some finishing ability throughout his career as well i think in this spot here he probably has a little bit more left in the tank, meaning I think he's probably the more durable fighter of the two. I think Brown is probably a little bit more prone um, to being hit, rocked, and possibly knocked out at this stage, where Conant, I think his movement and his footwork probably avoids a little bit more um, defensively, which is a good thing for him. So I think basically he can outpoint Brown in a three-round fight, possibly even clip that chin and get him out of there. Um, that's a scenario I could see playing out. If Brown wins this fight, it's probably going to be by finish. I think if it's, it hits the scorecards, we will see a competitive fight, but I think Conant edges it out on the cards. So I think it's it's one of those situations where if Brown's going to win this fight, it's probably going to be by stoppage. If Conant's going to win it, he could probably win by stoppage or on the scorecard. So Condit should be the rightful favorite, and that's why you are seeing his line kind of floating up as we speak. I mean, it's minus 165 right now over at Circus Sports. Sorry, I didn't get into that line a little bit quicker, the updated line, but it is from minus 110 all the way up to minus 165s. There's minus 170s out there market-wide right now as well. So people are betting Condit because I think that's basically the scenario that I think most people think 
is more right than wrong. So we'll see how it goes. I'm going to pick Condit. I'm not betting him, though, at minus 170. I'm not going to count Matt Brown out. I think the guy's a warrior, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does win this fight at all. So um, my pick is going to be Condit because I think, again, if it is a true pick em fight, I understand why the action came in on Condit. I would slightly lean his way. But that being said, at the price now, I don't think you could bet it. You can't touch it. I'm going to stay away from it, but I am going to pick Condit to win this fight. I think what we saw in his last fight kind of showed where Carlos Condit is right now. Yes, he was on a five-fight losing streak, but you look at who he lost to, and it was, for the most part, some of the better guys in the welterweight division. In, you know, Lawler, Maya, Magny, Chiesa. Um, and when he faced somebody that was not quite elite in Court McGee, um, yeah, McGee started okay, but then Condit, you know, figured him out, heard him, and ended up winning a pretty one-sided decision, especially the last two rounds. Um, so against Matt Brown, is Matt Brown at that same point? I think yes. Uh, I think this is a very winnable fight for Carlos Condit. Uh, you know, obviously Condit isn't at that same level that he was, uh, when he was, you know, fighting for the belt. Uh, but, uh, when, uh, that he's had an opportunity like this, it seems like he can uh, take advantage of it. Uh, now, Matt Brown, he's still dangerous, absolutely, uh, as evidenced by uh, the fights that he had against Diego Sanchez and Ben Saunders. Uh, devastating finishes, especially, you know, that Sanchez knockout. Um, now, he did uh, retire and then came out of retirement. And even in his last fight against Beza, who is a dangerous uh, stand-up artist, he had Beza in some trouble too. So uh, even though Beza came back and t- knocked him out, um, that did, does show that Brown is a capable and dangerous guy against even some of the younger up-and-comers in the division. So uh, I think this will be pretty competitive. Um, although I do favor Condit because he's never been TKO'd. And I think if Brown is going to win, he's going to have to probably finish Condit because Condit pushes a little bit of a higher tempo and he has a little bit better conditioning. Um, uh, I also think, uh, Condit might have a little bit better ground game slightly. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe Brown will have the better wrestling. Condit historically has had some pretty poor takedown defense. Um, so, this is a really interesting matchup, but uh, I think the one thing people are kind of underlooking is that Brown doesn't have that same durability. Like Condit has never really been finished uh, on the feet unless you count the the knee injury he had against uh, Woodley. And Brown has been finished multiple times now, uh, you know, whether it's body shots or shots to the head. Uh, he does get hurt pretty badly in fights. So... I think uh, Condit, even though Brown is just as powerful, um, if they're trading blow for blow, it's Condit that's going to be uh, still standing. So I think Condit can win by decision. I think Condit can win by knockout. And I think it's going to be tough for Brown to do any of that. So my pick is going to be Condit. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening. In the featherweight division, we have former champion Max Holloway, who is 21 and 6, taking on Calvin Cater, who is 22 and 4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Holloway open minus 135, the comeback on Cater plus 115. And right now we're seeing at Circus Sports minus 160 for Holloway, the comeback on Cater plus 140. So more love for the former champ. A lot of people thought he didn't lose that fight against Volkanovski. I can understand it. A lot of people thought he deserved to get that strap back. I can understand it. And uh, we know the Holloway still has a lot left in the tank, obviously, to compete at such a high level and arguably earn that strap back, whether the judges gave it to him or not. So that said, Cater has his hands full because he's facing a very good, skilled, one of the best featherweights of all time, arguably the greatest featherweight of all time in Max Holloway. Um, but Cater's game, he's ready. This is going to be a fantastic fight. This is a heck of a main event. I mean, both these guys are, are going to perform. They always show up. They always fight. It's going to be a high-level striking affair. I mean, both these guys have great takedown defense. So we're not going to see this fight play out on the ground all that much. It's going to be a five-round high-level striking affair, more more than likely, unless one of these guys can put each other out before that happens, which is possible. I mean, I doubt it because both these guys are extremely durable as well. Um, but that being said, but they're both – 
so technical, so elite with their striking. I mean, Cater has proven time and time and again that he can knock out opponents. We've seen that. Not going to be easy to do that with Holloway, though, of course. Um, but again, Holloway's finished opponents as well. I mean, not that kind of one-punch knockout power that we're ex- we expect to see from a lot of dominant striking champions, but Holloway's the type of guy that's just so precise, and the way he just is so relentless with his attack. I mean, he just makes his opponents world under that pressure as well. So I don't think Cater's that guy, though. So that's what makes this so exciting. I mean, this is going to be a back and forth, just a war. This is definitely, in my opinion, a front runner for fight of the night. Obviously, it's a main event. Um, so it's going to get that kind of love anyway, but it really is. I mean, I think this is, it's just going to be an outstanding clash. So it's a dog or pass situation for me. Um, I do think, again, if you're going to flip a coin, of course, I'm going to pick Holloway to win this fight. It's hard to pick against him. Um, and, you know, it's old cater kind of shows us that he's ready, you know, to dethrone a guy like Holloway or, or sort of speak. Um, I think he, again, he's capable, but it's a dog or pass situation. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does win this fight, but as far as your pure pick, I have to go Holloway, but as far as the betting window goes, I can't lay that chalk, even if it's not that much, even if it's 160, 155s are out there, I cannot lay the chalk on Holloway. I think if you're going to bet this fight, you have to look towards the dog and cater. So that's kind of what my line of thinking is here for this fight. Should be a fun one. Um, I'm expecting it to probably play out and just see a a five-round war. Hopefully we get it. Hopefully it lives up to the hype. And, I mean, not much more to say. I'm looking forward to this fireworks, so. The pick for me is Holloway, but it's a dog or pass situation. And uh, I like Holloway as well. Um, granted, Calvin Cater is fighting at an elite level, and the performances he's been putting on recently, especially uh, you know the Jeremy Stevens fight, uh, where he really made some great adjustments and started uh, connecting some nasty strikes, ended up putting away with that elbow, um, and then to fend off the the takedown attempts and the aggression of Dan Ige to just completely dominate that fight and win a one pretty one-sided decision um has that really cemented Cater as uh, someone to watch in the featherweight division but Max Holloway has been the best if not second best at featherweight for years and years and he really hasn't lost a step i granted you know he's lost two in a row but these are really close losses uh, especially the last one where, you know, you looking at it, Holloway definitely started strong. He hurt Volkanovsky multiple times. And then Volkanovsky, you know, started to win back the fight as it wore on. Um, he made some good adjustments. And will Cater be able to make that same, those same levels of adjustments? Because, uh, Volkanovsky can kind of mix in the striking and the takedown attempts to really kind of throw you off guard. Cater's not going to be doing that. This is going to be a pure stand-up fight. So is Cater going to be able to outstrike Max Holloway over the course of five rounds? And just, I'm not quite convinced. Um, you know, Cater struggled early against Jeremy Stevens. Uh, and that's somebody that Max Holloway just completely blew out of the water way back in uh, 2015. So I think that, yes, Cater is fighting at a high level right now, but he's still dropping uh, decisions to guys that I think uh, are not at Holloway's level either, like uh, Moikano and uh, Magomed Sharapov. So this should be an exciting fight, but... I still think that there's a lot left in the tank for Max Holloway. I mean, he's still just 29 years old, um, and he's still fighting at a very high level. And I think that he's going to come in here and be extremely motivated to get back in that title picture. And he's going to need to get a win over uh, Cater and maybe one more. And maybe they give him another crack at the featherweight belt. So, you know, this is somebody that still is very, very capable. And it looks like he's adding a little bit more pure one-punch power to his game, which makes him even more dangerous because before it was all about that accumulation. So will Holloway be able to overwhelm Cater? I think it's it's possible. Uh, but you always have to watch out because Cater is very dangerous. He's a very solid, composed, technical striker. And if he can make some adjustments for Holloway's pressure, um, this gets interesting in a hurry because... I think Cater is a guy that's a little bit more reactive and Holloway is the one that is going to be setting the pace. So if Cater can make a good, good mid fight adjustment, 
he could still win this, but I have to favor Holloway. I think he's going to start strong and keep that pressure going. And he has that tendency to just wear people down and you mix in that he's adding more power. I think he's going to be exceptionally dangerous in this fight. So I have to go with Max Holloway. He is my pick to win. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Fight Island 7. Uh, if we have any free plays to give out, and we absolutely do, make sure to follow at MMA OB Premium and check out the free bet section of MMAOddsBreaker.com. And there's a tab on the top of the site. And AJ has, I think, more than double-digit bets for upcoming events all the way up through March. So definitely check out MMAOddsBreaker.com, the free bet section. Uh, and we also do have the MMA Oddsbreaker premium section with uh, some of our top handicappers in the world selling some of their plays for this event. So good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.